Welcome to the Encounter Grow Witness podcast, a podcast for and by missionary disciples serving and working in the Archdiocese of Detroit and way beyond the Archdiocese of Detroit to make the name of Jesus known and loved in his mm-hmm. Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I am your lowly sub-host, <laughs> secondary <laughs> host, Father <laughs> Steve Polis, and we're here with the primary rock star yep. host, oh, Beth right. Spazzarni. Mm-hmm. Beth, how are yes. you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. We're kind yeah. of... Uh, Getting to the tail end of Lent here, and that's yes. uh, a good time to think about what comes after Lent, yeah. right? Easter, Easter, yeah. Yes. Um, any Easter traditions or Easter customs, either growing up or now with your family that uh, that you have? Yeah, yeah. Um, our kids are still a little small for the full triduum. Okay, um, yeah. So we've we've since they were born, we have a split. I get Holy Thursday. Okay. My husband gets Good Friday, <laughs> <laughs> and we just do lots of Good Friday type things at home. With the little ones, but um, yeah, and, and, then, and neither uh, of you get the vigil, right? Neither of us get the vigil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do it's the vigil just together. Too much for them, yeah. We make a whole table and we light all these candles, and then we do all the scripture readings oh. um, after the kids are in bed. But we're trying to make it an exciting thing so that they want to do it with us as they get yeah. older, and then we're preparing them for the vigil. So all right. That's yeah, fantastic. It's it's sweet. And my husband's a singer, so I usually make him sing the psalms because mm-hmm. <laughs> he usually can. <laughs> he remembers the music. So, yeah. How about you? Okay. Easter, any special traditions? I yeah. Mean- so, you know, one of the funny things growing up, I, I might have talked about this on a previous podcast that I, mm-hmm. I helped with, but um, one of the customs growing up in our family, and it's, it's just kind of... Anyway, I, I've still thought of it, so obviously it left some imprint on me. Yeah. Um, we would get new socks on Aww. Easter and on Christmas, <laughs> nice. and I don't know why. Like, I just, I kind of liked that, and I, I think, you know, our family didn't have a ton of money growing up. Sure. We were 10 kids, and my dad worked yep. really hard. My mom was at home, um, mm. and, you know, I mean, we never went without. We went to Catholic school, yeah. so it was great, but... Uh, for some reason, that just made it a little bit special. And I, I mentioned that in a homily once, and right. people, someone came up to me and was like, oh, that's all you got for oh. Christmas? I was like, no, 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 that wasn't the point at all. That's not all we got. But I, I seem to remember that um, from childhood. But mm. now being here at Sacred Heart Seminary, it's really mm. beautiful, kind of the tradition of the custom um, mm. uh, they have here, we have here, of the Triduum, so mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Holy Thursday, Good mm-hmm. Friday, Holy Saturday, uh, they make it a retreat for the men here. Mm-hmm. So there's no classes. There's a priest who comes in and gives conferences. It's mm-hmm. kind of quiet. And uh, I oversee the liturgy here. And so mm-hmm. we do lots of chapel cleaning during mm-hmm. that week mm-hmm. and uh, in a very prayerful way. Mm-hmm. And um, just lots of like, you know, preparing for our Lord's resurrection. Mm. Um, so I'm really excited to be part of that this year. Mm. Um, kind of making beautiful. making this time in preparation for Easter, you know, a beautiful yeah. time to be with the Lord. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. I read somewhere, there was a post online going around about how in Christmas, Christmas season, we have so many traditions. Yeah. There's, there's caroling and there's cookies and there's just tons of things. Now, to be fair, most of those we stick into Advent incorrectly but nevertheless there's tons of things to do for christmas but right. then for easter there's not as many traditions right there's the eggs yeah and um easter egg flowers. hunt i know and flowers uh, yeah what i mean there's there's just not that many other traditions that we do in easter season yeah uh, there there's candy baskets but i guess mm-hmm. that's like with the eggs too right, right? that's all mixed yep. together um yeah i don't know people wear bright colors that's true they wear that's pastels true. 
That's true. But I would just encourage our listeners to think, how can we expand the celebration of Easter? Yeah. Because it should be a really long, really spectacular celebration. Yeah. So I not, think there's more we can do. Not just Easter Sunday, you're yeah, saying, but the, the whole, whole season. 50 days from That's Easter right. till yeah. Pentecost. Let's do some culture building. Yeah. Folks, let's let's make it even more spectacular. My All kids right. have learned whatever they ask for a treat in Lent, I always say, no, we don't do those things because it's Lent. And they're kind of like, okay. And then they'll ask, and they're like, are we going to have a treat today? I'm guessing not because it's Lent. <laughs> we'll say, no, we're not going to have a treat today. And then they also learn the opposite, which is, mom, can we have a treat today? Because it is Easter season. And I'm such a softie. I'm like, it is Easter season. You know what? Sure. I think we should have more. <laughs> you know? But I'm, I'd like to have some other things besides just more candy to give them. So, so you want to build has ideas. You want to build culture more than just candy it, yes, during Easter. Yeah. I do. Yeah. That's good. That's wise. Wise. But, yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. So we are talking today about a fun topic that I'm sure um, all of our listeners who are working in parishes, working in a diocese, working in any kind of Catholic apostolate mm -hmm. have experienced um, probably many, many times and certainly in the last couple of years um, mm -hmm. through the COVID times. Um, and that is working for unity when there are so many opinions and so many voices mm -hmm. of disunity out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Beth and I were talking about this just from our own experiences mm -hmm. and trying to lead people to Christ, help them know, you know, Jesus yeah. Christ and put him at the center of their life and how so many opinions and voices and you know, people's own experiences can lead to disunity. And mm -hmm. we thought it'd be worth talking about how we can build a culture of unity mm -hmm. in a world that's very divided. And sometimes yeah. it feels like even a church that's divided. Yeah. Gosh, it's so pervasive, right? And I think COVID has really frayed everyone's nerves. So I think the divisions that are just everywhere in our in our society have yeah. gotten deeper. Yeah. And, and I know we were talking about, you know, both of our experiences in parishes mm -hmm. where people come up and are, you know, feel very strongly about some COVID yeah. protocol, right. either that for it needs to stay forever <laughs> yeah. or that it's the worst thing in the world, right? right. And the, and people come with such strong yeah. voices, whether it's about masking or social distancing, yeah. whether it's about having things in person or remote. Um, obviously How often the, we sanitize. Yeah, the vaccine, yeah, the vaccine has led to this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just um, we know because I, I know for me it's been a stress and a strain. Mm -hmm. And I just hear from so many people who work yeah. in parishes what a stress and strain it can be yeah. trying to navigate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we had a um, we were doing praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet outside Beaumont in the early early days of the pandemic. Yeah, and because um, our high school is right across the street from Beaumont, and so we had the whole community come out. Everyone was in their cars, and we were praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. The news came out to cover it, and um, I, I was I had a small freak out afterwards because all the high schoolers were chatting and hopping out of their cars and talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be on the news. This is going to be the story. Get back in your car. Stop. We don't want to be the story. You know. So but you I were was, having you had them afraid. in their cars. Yeah, everyone doing was in their cars so that they could be. Exactly. Right. In the that. early, yeah. early days. Yeah. Um, but even that, it's like there's just people then were upset that we were getting their cards. It's just it's difficult. Yeah. It was it was it was a I'm sure a difficult time for all leaders to navigate through. Not that we're done, but we're yeah, in a new I, season. Of you know, I, I think we're we're most of the way there. You know, I hope you never hope know too. what the future holds. Right. But I, I do feel like we've turned a significant corner. I agree. 
And that's why I think it's helpful. And we'll talk about some other areas of disunity, mm-hmm. but it can be really hard in the midst of it yeah. to take a step back and to say, okay, how can we do this better? Yeah. Right. Because emotions are so high yeah. and people feel very strongly about it. And sometimes right. for really good reasons, right? right? Whether it's their own family experience or, um, you know, about being uh, immunocompromised right. or they see the effect in their children or others of being so isolated, yeah. right? And they know like this isn't good right. long-term and looking for a way out. And so, you know, people often come with good reasons, but mm-hmm. it's still as a as a parish, a diocese or, or kind of any, any group like that, there have mm-hmm. to be decisions made for the good of the whole. Yeah. And not everyone's going to be happy with that. So, right. but, you know, I think we're at a point now when we can look back and say, okay, hopefully you know, the, the temperature or the volume is down a little yeah. bit and we can say, how do we really be sources of unity? Yeah. Um, but it's not just COVID, right? It's There's so COVID. many other things. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. The same, the same pattern we see with COVID plays out in so many other topics, right? Yeah. Um, politics. Politics yeah. are so volatile, especially these last many years, <laughs> right? right? I mean, in our recent history. Yeah. I mean, very, the, very the last volatile. election and yeah. everything that came after it, just led mm-hmm. to so many people having these very strong opinions yeah. and wanting their pastors or people who work in the church to kind of speak into that in mm-hmm. a way that you affirms know, their perspective. Yeah, and exactly. No others. Exactly. Oof, so hard. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so those are a couple of the topical ones, but I think yeah. we have some deeper ones about liturgical preferences. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, people have from str- music to <laughs> yeah. to reverence to the Latin Mass. Yeah. Yeah, people have lots of very strong, and again, could be for very good reasons, right? Yeah. Strong perspectives on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes it difficult to navigate as a it leader. Yeah. Um, we were talking about a couple of other areas. I know mm-hmm. one for me I see is where people turn to for authority mm-hmm. or where people turn to for, um, you know, for, for a voice they trust. Mm-hmm. And that can be so fractured. And, yeah. and some of that's the digital environment. And Archbishop Vigneron wrote a pastoral note on how to navigate that. And that's on our Unleash the Gospel page. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of that can be because I get into my bubble and I only hear voices I agree with. Yeah. Um, and and oftentimes those voices are, you know, I mean, just to be honest, they're monetized based on getting yeah. people, right. <laughs> you know, worked up. That's right. Right. Uh-huh. And, and they're not always seeking the good of souls. I had a friend who worked for one of those places that kind of creates that sort of divisive sort of content. Yeah. And um, he told me, he, he I think he was a film, he was one of the film guys that worked with them. And he yeah. said that they had figured out that if they posted something that either said LGBTQ or Pope Francis, they would get so many more lights, mm. likes, so many more watches compared with the other content. Yeah. And so they were leaning into those two yeah, things. Those like, kind of, okay. th- well, those buzzwords there's that a, a, the, <laughs> There's people. a very specific example of what you're saying. Yeah. 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 It's monetized. And I think as we move towards, you know, we're, we're just a couple of months away from implementing phase two of Families of Parishes, yeah. which will impact every parish Everyone, in the Archdiocese yeah. of Detroit. Yeah. It's good to think about the challenges that come with change. Mm-hmm. Change always presents challenges. Absolutely. But to think about how this can be an opportunity for unity yeah. in the midst of disunity. Yeah. 
And that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. But it's going to be good. It if will. we do it right, it's going to be good. Yeah. I think Sandy even shared some great things last month about collaborating within her family of parishes yeah. as they came together, right? And you do see, or we will see, and she saw, just the unity of different gifts and different charisms coming together to make something awesome, yeah. right? They needed a facility. They had a facility, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm sure there were things beyond those things, but... Yeah. I rely on Beth to be the institutional memory of our podcast because <laughs> exactly. I, I don't always remember those things. I'm so, sure. You just spell you, wisdom you all the time. You can't keep right. track of it all, right? I'm sure that's it. It, it is hard to keep track of all the wisdom I, I'm sure. as, as you so kindly say, spout. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say just another dis- area of disunity, which is difficult to speak about, is just the LGBTQ issues, yeah. right? That, you know, I think you've said before and we've talked about that there's just unprecedented challenges in in our culture right now regarding yeah. human sexuality and how we understand that and how our faith speaks to the meaning of our of our bodies and the meaning of our sexuality and how we live that out. Uh, and so that's also really divisive, right? Within the church, there are voices who are listening to the church and, and trying to be faithful to the church. And then there's voices that are just so overwhelmed by the culture that we live in and yeah. just are in a different place with yeah. those teachings. Yeah, and I think on that there's there's reactionary voices in both directions too, I right? Agree. There are people who feel like the church has been um, not loving enough right. to people who are uh, same-sex attracted. Right. And so they kind of speak from that place of condemnation at the church. Right. But then there are people who feel like you know, they're being overrun by the culture mm. that's opposed to the church's vision, mm-hmm. uh, Christ's vision, really, of human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so instead of that coming out of a place of love, love. or out of a place yeah. of like, we have great news to propose. Right. And it might be challenging. It might not right. be what you want to hear. Right. But this will lead to human flourishing. Right. It's kind of said in a defensive posture. Yeah, which or is a, hard. Yeah. 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 And we, yeah. We did a survey um, last fall to ask just how welcoming are we? How can we be more welcoming? Yeah. You know, this moment, you know, after COVID, in COVID, whatever, wherever we are. Um, and, and we had those voices come out on the survey. But yeah. just, we're just talking about welcome. And yeah. people said, you know, well, you're not welcoming because you reject people who identify as LGBTQ. And I'm thinking, well, we don't. Yeah. That's not the full teaching. And then other voices came in and they said, you're not welcoming. You're too, you're too welcoming that you, you've thrown out church teaching. Yeah. And you don't speak about matters of LGBTQ at all. <laughs> Everyone thinks everything's fine. There's no sin anymore. And I right. thought, wow. Well, you're both parishioners here. <laughs> you see this differently. <laughs> you know? And this is exactly what we're talking about, right. right? The way that there are just loud voices on both sides yeah. that want to um, maybe co-opt is the right word. Maybe it's not, but co-opt the church in a parish or a priest right. or a, a lay ecclesial minister, um, a mission direct uh, person in mm-hmm. our families of parishes to kind of go in the direction they want them to and and we need to be clear enough about what we believe and convicted enough in our own relationship mm-hmm. with Christ to say, like, we we can really seek unity here, right? We don't have That's to right. think of unity as a compromise in moral teaching or right. a compromise in understanding the truth of, right. you know, scientific realities or uh, it's it's just a compromise of, of our beliefs, mm-hmm. but it does require a radical openness to the other person yeah. and a radical confidence that, you know, God is more powerful than our disagreement here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to be terrified of someone who disagrees with me right. or angry at right. someone who disagrees with me. Right. Um, so as we were talking, we were talking mm-hmm. about some ways to, um, you know, to 
to work through this, to mm-hmm. find ways uh, we can be more united. Mm-hmm. We can seek unity. Um, maybe the first question to propose, mm-hmm. and we didn't talk about this, so Beth is going to hate me for this. throwing this. <laughs> Please ask me a personal question. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that would be my favorite. No, not personal, but maybe <laughs> foundational. Like, uh-huh. why is unity important? Why yeah. should we even care about it? Yeah. Right? Why not just do yeah. what? I know is right and yeah. you know um forget about everyone yeah. else cuz I know this is right. Yeah. Some time ago I was doing a ministry and it was an outreach and unfortunately the outreach was um deeply seated with division <laughs> from yeah. the outset. And I remember being a part of the outreach and just kind of going and doing it and I was present and everything but in the back of my mind I I kept thinking how how much fruit are we going to bear when this is how we began? Mm. I I just don't think there'll be as much fruit. Um they, you know, they'll be like the fruit we see in winter, right? Like, yeah. oh, these strawberries, oh, they're only a dollar. They look like strawberries. Yeah, they do. They look like strawberries. They just don't taste like strawberries. Right. So they, I, I think- They them, taste like styrofoam. Yeah, they taste yeah. like nothing yeah. even, you know? So I think I think unity is essential because if we want to do the Lord's will, if we, well, one, because Christ said we should live in unity, but also I just yeah. think there won't be any fruit. So yeah. if what we're do if we think what we're doing is important and we if we want to see fruit, we want to see hearts changed and people come to know Jesus in a deeper way, why would we why would we waste our time or why would we not rather invest in yeah. doing so in a way that's that begins in unity. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. You know, it's going to it's the only way to bear fruit. Uh if we're working at cross purposes or if people that we're called to serve are getting contradictory or conflicting messages. Man, that's going to, it's not just going to prevent us from going forward, but it's a scandal. And John Paul II talked about this. He wrote a whole encyclical on unity, um, especially Christian unity. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the great scandal that it is Mm -hmm. to propose, you know, the gospel in the midst of unity. Um, you mean at, disunity? Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cool to proclaim the gospel in unity. <laughs> right. What a that. scandal it is to proclaim the yeah. gospel in the midst of disunity. Right. Um, right. You know, I when we recite the creed at mass, we say we believe in one holy Catholic <laughs> and apostolic church, yeah. right? So <laughs> yeah. the church, one of the defining characteristics, the marks of the church is unity, is oneness. True. Because God is one. Mm -hmm. The beauty of the Trinity kind of always shows us this reality, right? That God is one and God Mm -hmm. is three. And if that doesn't blow our minds, we need to think about it more deeply, right? right? Right. Um, That that God is three persons in one God. Yeah. And there's distinction among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. but there's radical unity. Mm -hmm. And this is how we understand our church, right? There's distinctions in the gifts we bring, distinctions mm-hmm. in how we see the world in some ways, distinctions in liturgical traditions yeah. or, you know, um, uh, roles that we serve in. So there's distinction, but that doesn't mean there has to be disunity right. because God himself is distinction and unity mm. and we're made in God's image and likeness. Yeah. And so it's our it's in our identity to be united as yeah. God himself is yeah. united. And as you said, as Christ commanded us yeah. in his church. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, great job on my curveball question (laughs) I didn't prepare you on. I'm sorry, Beth. No, I was expecting more. I'm good with that kind of question. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about how we can do this. So we talked about a few principles. Beth, what's our our first principle for seeking unity in our church? Our first principle is charity. Charity, love. Fine. Yeah, that's right. I was um, 
working with an alpha table years ago and um, one person at the table made a comment about it was Trump at the time and uh, that was at the whole table. Nobody ever came back. Mm. And they had had dinner together, I think, four times already. This was their fifth time having dinner together. And the next week, all all ten people, they none, not one of them returned because of one because kind of, of political one political comment, comment either yeah. endorsing or opposing. I don't yeah. recall. And uh, and the the leaders, they came back actually. So there were still two people at the table. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought, what happened to your table? Where did they go? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And it was it was a lack of charity um, in how it was spoken of and how it was received and yeah. all of that. But um, and, and that kind of illustrates how frayed people can be. Yeah. Right. And how. Um, we may not think much of it, mm-hmm. but in in leadership, whether it's being a pastor of a parish or mm-hmm. uh, you know being the director of evangelization and catechesis right. and everything else in a parish, mm-hmm. um, or whether it's an alpha table leader, right. right? That our responsibility to kind of help navigate people, mm-hmm. navigate their uh, the conversation to stay on Christ, to keep our work yeah. on Christ, and not to get pulled apart yeah. from these other things. Um, I'm teaching the uh, fourth year seminarians, the last year men, mm. um, the sacraments of uh, healing, mm. which are anointing of the sick and reconciliation, confession. And so we've been reading John Paul II's Reconciliatio at Penitentia, Reconciliation and Penance, an mm-hmm. encyclical or a post-synodal apostolic exhortation he wrote of course. on this. Yep. Um, <laughs> in the mid-80s, early 80, 83, 84, something like that. Um, but he has this great line that's, you know, mm-hmm. from the wisdom of uh, of the church from her, you know, her earliest years. Mm-hmm. And he says, in what is doubtful, we need freedom. Mm-hmm. In what is necessary, we need unity. And in all things, we need charity. Yeah. So this is just, you know, part of this is a theological way to think of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like what the church hasn't explicitly proclaimed, so what is doubtful. Right. Um you know, the, there's freedom to have different opinions, mm-hmm. right? We can approach things in different ways. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, that's part of the beauty of the Catholic right. Church. That's why right. there's not just one book on <laughs> the Catholic life right. or one book on, um, one on the saints or, or one yeah. spirituality, right? Because there's many different right. ways right. to uh, within the, the church to find Christ, right? right? It's part of the, the beauty of the saints who have right. shown us this. Um, but there are things that are really necessary. Mm-hmm. There are things that kind of come to the core of what it means to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's laid out for us in the church, right? It's laid out for us in the profession of faith or oath of fidelity that pastors mm-hmm. have to make when they uh, assume their leadership roles. Uh, it's laid out for us in things like the catechism and <laughs> documents of yeah. magisterial authority, you know, whether it's Vatican II or Trent. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, there are foundational truths that we have to be united on. Um, and we have to navigate areas where the culture pulls us away from that or other opinions pull us away from that and, and really seek to find unity on things that are necessary. Absolutely. It's interesting because just the quote, right. And what is doubtful freedom and what is necessary unity? I think we get those mixed up quite a bit. I, I just see there's been so many things in these last few years that truly are matters of prudential judgment. Yeah. Right. It could be this. It could be that. All the COVID stuff. Right? Yeah. A lot of the, yeah. 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 And 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 yet I think we've pursued perhaps with many of us have pursued um, matters of prudential judgment with almost the authoritative um, mm-hmm. like, no, this isn't this is what is necessary. Right. This is yeah. not what is doubtful. 
Uh, and I think that's led to a lot more division, right? Yeah. And then, and then conversely, in things that we really we we must be united in, right? As you say, that that a positive faith that right that our churches passed down from age to age, right? In that, some of us take parts of that as optional, right? Yeah, and you know, we don't have a lot of Christological heresies like the early church Not had nope. or Trinitarian heresies. Yeah, right. We have lots of moral confusion. Yeah. Right, and that's generally where. Um, we see this happening. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the beauty, the genius. We need to do like a whole five-part podcast on the theology of the body at some Ooh, point, Beth. Like, yeah, that's great. the beauty of the theology of the body that John yeah. Paul has taken from, you know, what Paul VI said in Humani Vitae, calling on bishops to expound upon this beautiful teaching mm -hmm. of the church about human sexuality. John Paul started that as the Archbishop of Krakow and then took it up in greater kind of um, authority as the Holy Father, as the Pope, and and taught, you know, from our relationship with God and from our understanding of, you know, human anthropology mm -hmm. or Christian anthropology, um, you know, how we can understand the moral life in yeah. a way that's uh, consonant with the tradition for mm -hmm. 2,000 years and, um, and palatable, uh, um, can speak into the experience of 21st century people. Yeah. And it, it's just so beautiful and so mm -hmm. life-giving. Right. And I, I think that's where our church is, you know, really where I think the, the, the challenges are going to be going forward and are right now mm. about in things necessary and what is necessary, unity. Yeah. And then in all things, mm. charity. In all things, charity. So even when right. people disagree with me on things that are necessary, or even when people, yeah. you know, maybe disagree significantly on things that are doubtful, and I find it difficult to understand their their yeah. point of view. Still, charity. charity needs to be the crown of yeah. my virtue in life. Right, right. It needs to be the foundation and the pinnacle of all virtue. Right. That I love this person. I care about this right. person. I want this person to be with me in heaven. Right. And God wants to perfect me by desiring that here and now, yeah. <laughs> even when I don't like them, right. even when I don't see their opinion, right. even when they're annoying me right. or, you know, that like in yeah. all things, in charity all things has charity. to prevail. Yeah. Father Jacques Philippe had a great comment and <clears throat> I think it was searching for and maintaining peace where he was talking about how um, if we find ourselves becoming impatient with someone <laughs> with with either a true fault or just something we disagree with, right? Yeah. Um, that perhaps we should consider the patience of the Lord <laughs> who is showing patience towards this person <laughs> yeah. and towards you <laughs> in your own messy yeah. messiness, right? Like how do we yeah, that that our that charity in that sense could also be a form of patience towards the other. Right. Oh, that's so good and so convicting, Beth. Mm. And yeah, I struggle with patience so much that, yeah. you know, it's just a great reminder that God is infinitely patient yeah. with me. Infinitely patient. And like, okay, as he is yeah. patient with me, I need to be, you know, whether it's in traffic or whether sure. it's with someone who's sure. you know, disagreeing with something that's foundational or someone yeah. that I just, you know, it's just difficult for yeah. me to interact with. Yeah. Yeah. Once I was in a meeting and I was just really struggling. And so I just started writing over and over. And again, just they couldn't see what I was writing in my notebook. But I just kept writing Beloved Beth, Beloved, and then their name, mm. Beloved Beth, Beloved their name, Beloved Beth, Beloved mm. their name, over and over and over again. As I was listening, because I needed the exercise to remind myself, yeah. I am loved. You are loved. <laughs> we can disagree. Yeah. Yeah. But I am loved and you are loved. Yeah. That's the foundation of this, you know. I think that was a meeting you and I were having. Yeah, I'm sure that, it was. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. so our first principle uh, in what yeah. is doubtful freedom, in yeah. what is necessary unity. In all things charity. Yeah, right. 
Uh, we talked about another principle too. Yeah, humility and openness to the other. Yeah. Humility and openness to the other, right? That as we do the work that the Lord's called us to and just live our lives, that evangelization puts us into contact with people who are a gift to us. And I think you said not just to be receptacles, to receive our wisdom, <laughs> which I think is excellent, right? Uh, I think just when I think of humility and openness to the other, I think like, are we even listening to people who disagree with us? Yeah. I think a lot of like Facebook has decided we don't need to listen to people who disagree with us. Right. They have filtered out every dissonant opinion. They yeah. already know what ours are somehow, even mm -hmm. if we don't post them, just based on how long we spend reading different yeah. things. They already know yeah. what we think. And, uh, and so when we're walking through the world, encountering people who disagree with us, in real life, we are experiencing something that the digital space has has removed from our experience altogether. Yeah. So the skill set is not something we're learning digitally where we're engaging and spending most of our time. It's something we're learning incarnationally when we are physically together. Yeah. No, you are spot on. I think this is one of the great um, reasons why we should manage our digital time Oof, wisely, yes. right? Because we that doesn't mimic or prepare us for real the real life. world it does not no. and you know my uh, not that the digital world is unreal because i right. i'm still accountable for my actions there mm -hmm. i still you know need to be a good witness and need to be virtuous there but the place where god most wants you to be spending your time mm -hmm. and growing in holiness is in person-to-person -person interaction right because yeah. we're made incarnational uh yeah. we're made you know flesh and spirit that's right and um it's through the things of this world that we encounter God most perfectly, not yeah. digitally. We don't receive the sacraments digitally. Mm -mm. We receive the sacraments mm. in real life. And yeah. the sacramental identity is how God made his church. Yeah. And he comes to us in physical things. Yeah. And we encounter each other yeah. in physical ways, yeah. seeing each other and bumping into each other. Mm. Uh, and that's going to be where you know I need to um, be especially humble right yeah. and open to another person yeah and the wisdom um, they'll give us right yeah. even the most unlikely sources yeah there's a beautiful yeah. quote from c.s lewis's the weight of glory that i'm not mm -hmm. as organized as you are so i don't have the quote oh i've got the full me. quote do you Let's have the quote it. oh Let's yeah, read yeah. It. yeah yeah um the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet if at all only in a nightmare all day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Next to the Blessed Sacrament, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Wow. Yeah. Little humility, huh? Maybe we could maybe we could be a little more <laughs> humble as we interact with each other. Yeah, the you know it's pulling back some of the curtain of this world and pointing to eternity. Yeah, right? that the person I'm annoyed with on the road in the grocery store who took my pew at church, yeah. um, or you know, for a lot of our lay ecclesial ministers, the person, the angry parent, or yeah. the person I need to to kind of serve in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, has the weight of eternity That's within right. them. Yeah. And as C.S. Lewis says, you know, if we saw their destiny, it Oof. would be so great, That's we would right. be tempted to worship it. Mm -hmm. And for those who um, turn away from the Lord, yeah. you know, if we saw the destiny or the decision of yeah. those who we would have rejected him, it would terrify us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have never met a mere mortal. No. So be humble with mm -hmm. other people. 
Numero three. Numero three. Um, having the lens of evangelization um, when we're in moments of disunity or in moments of conflict where yeah. our focus is not just to win the argument um, and not just trying to defend in kind of a defensive posture, yeah. but really thinking of evangelization in this person's heart and the overall mission of evangelization. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that for our witness too, right? Just thinking about like John Paul saying what a scandal it is for disunity. Mm. Um, I got it right this time. <laughs> the disunity is the <laughs> scandal. Um, that, you know, part of why I need to seek unity is to grow in virtue myself. Mm. Part of it is out of service to the other person, nice. right? That they deserve it. But another part of it is because everyone is watching. People see it, right? And we're, we're not meant to live our lives yeah. like it's a show, of course. We need to be authentic. But part of being authentic is knowing that, you know, as a Catholic and especially working for the church, yeah. I have a responsibility yeah. for how people see me interacting with other yeah. people. So I need to seek unity as a witness to the world. Yeah, as, absolutely. You know, as a, a saint in the making. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important evangelizing um, yeah. characteristics is to say, okay, how do we see people working? You know, as a priest, I wear mm -hmm. my clerics mm -hmm. and like, it's very, yeah, <laughs> very easy to see like, <laughs> man, that guy's a jerk right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Or at the times when I'm not a jerk, hopefully right. they see that too. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, but all of us are called to be that way, That's right? right? We're all, all of us are called yeah. to be ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. St. Paul says, I become all things to all That's men. Right so that I might save some of them. Absolutely, yeah. There's a quote in the catechism that haunts me a bit. It says that believers have no more than a little to do with the rise of atheism, mm. through the lukewarmness of their faith and the tepidity of their witness. And uh, yeah, yes, right? Yeah. The people are watching. There's yep. um, a beautiful singer, Audrey Assad, who has just the most gorgeous, haunting songs. And she recently left the Catholic Church, yeah. partly because of disunity, I think. Yeah. And I'm sure many other things, but I just thought, yeah, how are we? I've followed a little bit of her journey and, you know, yeah. just seen what people have showed me from social media mm -hmm. and looked up some of it myself. And yeah, it's really, it's really sad. And it's been over the last couple of years, yeah. right? Um, right. Or maybe the last year or so. Um, yeah. And just to say, okay, what would lead someone like that yeah. away from right. Christ? Right. Yeah. yeah. Who understood and knew and saying of the intimacy. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I think uh, uh, to move to another point, I think um, another point for a principle to cultivate unity is yeah. um, <laughs> giving people a good listening, <laughs> which I know you think is funny. <laughs> it I don't does. Mean, <laughs> it like, does because I think of it as, you know what you need a good old fashioned <laughs> listening to. <laughs> I don't know. Why. It's just a funny way we, we were talking about. I know. It, so. Yeah. I used to do tech support and it was a little sleepy sometimes <laughs> the, the calls I would get and every once in a while I'd get an angry caller mm -hmm. and I really loved it because I could, mm. it would just woke me right up <laughs> and and people would be so surprised that I wouldn't get mad back at them yeah. <laughs> who just listen and be like try to be kind and yeah. and reflect back what I'm hearing you say you know and mm -hmm. uh and I think right today obviously if we just look at COVID has frayed everyone yeah right and everyone's experience of it has been so different and uh yeah how do we how do we listen to people who are hurting right now right yeah. people who are coming to the church and um, we had someone just walking out mentioned to a greeter, you know, some some offhand complaint about how church used to be sacred and I don't know what it is anymore or something. And the greeter wasn't sure what to say. So she said, okay, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> and I thought, shoot, I have a hundred more questions I'd like to ask. So I, so we, right. we could give her the good listening, right? Because right. we can't fix, we, I don't even know what, what she was upset about truly that day, you know? Right. So how do we listen to people instead of kind of being afraid of their anger? How can we listen to it and then even 
then yeah, we can't offer anything until we've listened. Did you see the movie Crash that came out yes. maybe ten years ago yes. or something? What a yes. Yeah, and I was thinking about that the mm-hmm. way that like you know you hear the saying hurt people hurt people. Yes. And yeah, I, that I think, movie's a great demonstration of that. Yeah, I think it shows, and that there's a lot of racial tensions within yeah. that between different ethnic groups there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did show like people who have been hurt or are dealing with something yeah. take it out on other people. That's right. And as the church, and and this can be a delicate balance. You know, we we don't want to enable abusive behavior. We don't want to no. tolerate things that are, you know, that people shouldn't have to tolerate. Mm-hmm. But there is a bit of the ordinary absorbing of people's mm-hmm. anger and yeah. giving it to the Lord that all of us need to do because yeah. we can't respond in kind. Right. Right. Um, and w- we just have to sometimes receive their hurt and bring it to the Lord for mm-hmm. them. And that takes a spiritual maturity to say, okay, at what point do I need to intervene and say, like, mm-hmm. you can't do this anymore. Right. right. I'm not your punching bag. Right. You don't just get right. to take everything out on me. Right. But also to say, you know, I'm not going to return in kind or kind of, uh, yeah you know, say you can't be here because mm-hmm. of one kind of one anger, one aspect of anger or, or one opinion kind of thing. So I think yeah. that takes a little spiritual maturity for, for us to to know how to do that and yeah. uh, to absorb it and then not hold on to it ourselves, mm, right? Yeah. But to go before the Lord, especially yeah. on our knees and say, Jesus, I don't want this. I yeah. give it to you. Yeah. Like, you know. Jesus, you take care of it. Yeah. Such a great prayer. Yeah. <laughs> We talked about forgiveness as well. Yeah, right? forgiveness. Um, that we all have reasons to be hurt. And, you know, these yeah. aren't totally distinct from each other, right? right? They flow from each other. But yeah. um, we need to let go of our own hurt mm-hmm. and let go of maybe anger that we have. Um, yeah. And some of that can be, you know, righteous anger, mm-hmm. things that were not done properly. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about uh why did I not learn this beauty of the faith when mm, I was younger? Right. Why did I not learn this until now? Right, right. right. And in a lot of ways, you know, you talk about believers have not a little to do with yeah. the rise of atheism. Right. Um, you know, that that people do have a right to know that. And in some ways mm-hmm. they were, there was an injustice done to them. Yeah. But sometimes the anger is just a difference of opinions. Mm-hmm. You didn't win the day right. with what you wanted right. to do. and. You know, and we have to give that to the Lord. We Mm -hmm. have to let go of that anger so that it doesn't destroy us. What is it? Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. A quote attributed to many different people, but also to St. Augustine. So, oh, really? Yeah. I think he probably did say it. um, But lots of modern people are attributed with the quote. Um, I had a friend that I met through ministry at my last parish, and um, generally, kind of an angry person when we started out kind of getting to know each other and then we had one week where the content was on forgiveness and she just (laughs) it just all fell out and there was all this anger and Mm -hmm. um yeah and and when she was able to let it go and truly choose forgiveness she visibly looked different Mm. she walked different it changed everything for her so uh, how much lighter would our steps be right Mm -hmm. if we really ask the lord to help us forgive yeah. And let it go, especially the last few years of all the different things that people are holding on to, right? Right. Difficult d- leadership decisions they didn't like or um, yeah. the way things went or I, there's obviously so many <laughs> innumerable things. Yeah. Right. Even yeah. conversations or misunderstandings that never took place. Like there was never a conversation about it. Right. Yeah. And even, yeah. you know, I've heard from not a few people about like, I can't believe the church closed. Right. That That's very, yes. Or how could I they have abandoned us? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. People feeling abandoned. Right. Or I can't believe 
they opened so early. Like uh, like right. when, also, when it was opening yeah, in May, right. you know, after like two months. Right. Like I can't believe this is reckless. Right. And like, okay, it's okay to disagree right. with decisions that are made, but you know, the archbishop and other people who have to make these decisions, right. they're not easy decisions. No, they're very and, difficult. And you know, it's uh it takes a, a bit of humility, as we talked about earlier, yeah. to say, okay, I don't know every aspect of this. Mm-hmm. And maybe I feel like it's not what I would have done. But man, it's not helpful to hold on to anger about yeah. that. Um, you know, we we were talking about like the way we can get locked in and seeing people's faults mm. as their defining characteristics. Right. I don't know if I talked about this here, but I had this profound experience in mm. seminary where one of the seminarians, one of my classmates was just driving me nuts, right? I could not stand him. Mm-hmm. And I was in spiritual direction and went to, you know, I was talking to my spiritual director, sharing with him all of his faults. <laughs> Very mature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he goes, you know, Steve, is there anything good about him? And I thought for a minute, and I said, no. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing good about him. Okay. And he goes, all right, well, do you see the problem? <laughs> and it was this great wake-up call that I had created a caricature of him in my mind yeah. of just being defined by his faults. And so he said, well, you need to pray that you see him the way the Lord sees him yeah. and see not just the challenges you have with him, but see his gifts and opportunities and mm. see the blessing he is. And that that radically changed yeah. the way I saw him, right? right? There's right. still times he got on my nerves and I'm sure I got on his nerves, mm-hmm. but man, it just broke me out of this, yeah. this mold of only noticing his faults. Right. And that can happen with leaders so many times, yeah. right? People see their leaders or it can happen for leaders seeing other people. Mm-hmm. You only see their the faults. faults. Right. And man, what an impoverished way to go through life. I'm so Ooh, grateful for yeah. this priest who was like, wake up. (laughs) This is not who he is. And like you've been blinded by this and you Mm -hmm. need to ask the Lord for eyes to see. Absolutely. So we talked about five when we met beforehand and then you came with this great sixth one. So what's our last one? Yeah. For cultivating unity. I think intentionally spending time with people, you know, Mm. Pope Francis keeps talking about how we need to waste time with each other. Yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, he had a quote in Gaudete et Exultate, uh, 141. Thanks for the reference. I didn't write down the number and Father Steve looked it up. Yeah. Um, when we live apart from others, it is very difficult to fight against concupiscence, the snares and temptations of the devil and the selfishness of the world. Bombarded as we are by so many enticements, we can grow too isolated, lose our sense of reality and inner clarity and easily succumb. Growth in holiness is a journey in community side by side with others, which describes to me these last few years, right? When we live apart from others, it's very difficult to fight against concupiscence, right? We just are left with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're coming back into community, into these relationships, right? These encounters day by day where there's going to be some friction, yeah. you know? <laughs> and that friction is intended to help us grow in holiness. I'll see your Pope Francis post-synodal apostolic exhortation. <laughs> and raise you one. <laughs> and raise you a, uh, a Vatican II document where Lumen right. Gentium talks about this, yeah. that like when Christ came to, to save us, yeah. he didn't choose to save us individually. Yeah. He chose to save us as a people, yeah. as a church. And this yeah. comes back to kind of the the whole notion of unity. That's right. Um, is that he he wanted us to be kind of made holy together. Yeah. So I don't go off on my own and become holy. Part of how I become holy. And this is just classic spiritual advice, right? Mm-hmm. H- how do I become holy? By doing the things I need to do in my 
daily life, right? Like right. by being a great mom, right. being a great wife, right. doing the work you need to do and like caring for the people that God has put into your life. Yeah. How do I become holy as a priest? By being generous with God's people yeah. and doing the things that they need sacramentally, yeah. teaching, yeah. leadership ways, yeah. however, right? That I don't do it off by myself somewhere yeah. else, but I do it in community with others. Yeah. I think in, in parish ministry and in work too, I think this one is important because I think um, our relationships, especially in COVID, became more transactional, mm. um, right? Because yeah. we couldn't be together. So it's silly to get on a Zoom call and be like, so how are your kids? Like, right. I can see your kids. They're in the background. <laughs> let's get to it. I need the form. Do you have it? Great. Let's go. Um, and so I think it it is kind of a slowing down of the car when you ask a personal question, you yeah, know, and yeah. it's easy for us just to do the work and the work and the work, right? But yeah. I think unity also comes when we have those relationships with each other. Um, the I just wanted to highlight a bit from the article you read earlier, the reconciliation and penance yeah. on, on unity, just as kind of a, a closing thought. He said, unity, if it is to be the fruit and expression of true reconciliation, is meant to be based neither upon a disguising of the points that divide, nor upon compromises which are easy, as easy as they are superficial and fragile. Unity must be a result of a true conversion of everyone, the result of mutual forgiveness. I just a, a true conversion of everyone. Yeah. If we want to see unity, it's going to require a true conversion of everyone. Yeah. And that starts with us. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a way, you know, I I don't know. I don't want to go too off topic here. Um, yeah. Yeah. This isn't fully formed. So take it for what it is. You know, mm -hmm. there's a way I can be. We can get into a stalemate because I don't want to compromise unless I know you're willing to compromise, mm. right? Like I'm willing to meet you halfway, okay. but I don't want to go halfway and then now you expect me to keep <laughs> go going, <more>. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that happens in so many ways, you know, with the war in Ukraine yeah. going on right now mm -hmm. uh, with Russia and Ukraine. I was just thinking about like reading some of the church's teaching about, um, you know, how war is always a loss mm. and how it requires this true commitment to peace yeah. on both sides. And the way there there is this bit of like, you know, how do I navigate that mm -hmm. with a prophetic stance mm -hmm. to seek peace in places where there's still conflict and yeah. disunity? And I don't have that fully figured mm -hmm. out in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to draw too much of an analogy mm -hmm. between that and the disunity we have. But it does take a boldness, a confidence, mm -hmm. a radicality to say, I'm willing to seek unity. I don't quite know where it's going to go, yeah. but I'm going to be the first person who's yeah. who's vulnerable here or who's reaching out to say, okay, we yeah. need to solve this yeah. instead of the let's just ignore the problem yeah. or let's create some superficial compromise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's some of my half-baked thoughts yeah, at I the like end it. there. <laughs> I like it. Um, a lot to think about. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, um, Father Steve, you seem like a guy who would know the names of a lot of flowers. <laughs> I think so, our listeners would agree so, that Father Steve is probably an expert botanist. And uh, I'd like so, to hear some flowers. I was telling Beth that part of my job here at the seminary has been to help coordinate the uh, Holy Week stuff. Yeah. And that includes um, the flowers we normally get delivered. And I was talking to the florist and she was... Uh, giving us our order from previous years and I was trying to type it down and mm -hmm. I could not get like I, I just don't know these so let's have a little fun let's okay. do a little flowers how about I name a flower then you name a flower we'll see okay. who runs out first okay great I'm gonna go first I'm gonna take daffodils um is that a flower 
Get out of here. Come on. Ron, Ron can Don't you independently there? Ron, Ron, Ron agrees. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is like Scrabble. Oh, like, this is the you know? first play. You're arguing the first play. We need a little more unity up in here. Um, <laughs> good point. Uh, roses. Roses. Tulips. Carnations. Ooh, carnations. Uh, uh, li lilies. Azaleas, which I don't know how to spell. <laughs> and I don't know what they are. Um, hyacinth. Mm. Our listeners are laughing. Ro roses. They can think of... Didn't you want no, to say I... roses? <laughs> Yellow roses. Yeah, no, no, you can't have the different colors of roses. Um, no. Uh, um, um, uh, did we say lilies? I said lilies. Yeah. Um, they put you in charge of ordering the flowers. <laughs> it's kind of a passive role. I see. I see. It. Okay. Um, hydrangeas. Ooh, nice. Uh, irises. You're looking for a confirmation <laughs> on irises? They're Isn't that purple. a part of the eye? No. Yes. Okay. Now other people are mad at me. Okay. Yes, it is. But irises <laughs> All of our optometrists listening. Yeah, I'm sure there's a um, lot um, Mums, which mums. I'm sure is short for something. But I don't know. They're so okay. ugly. Um, peonies. <laughs> I'm out. Did I, did I win? I'm out. I won I got peonies. Nothing. I got nice. nothing. Ron, I, Ron I any that we're missing? Yeah. He's still <laughs> laughing. You asked him to fact check irises. <laughs> oh. All right, folks, this has been the Encounter Grow Witness podcast, a podcast by and for people working in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, let's be better fishers of men together. Subscribe. Tell more people to listen to this podcast so that more people can do better ministry together. Amen.